0: Thank you so much yes. for taking the time to do this. I really, really appreciate it. Overall, are you having a good day so far today?
1: Yeah, it's been an awesome day. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well,
0: it's been, it's been well, we're coming up to, well, five days. So a wh- almost a week since the release of the new single, Sleeping With uh, Ghost. Considering it's still quite early days, how have you found the reaction to it so far?
1: I'm actually really, really excited about the reaction so far. We've been getting a lot of really good press. Um, we've been doing lots of interviews uh, like this one tonight, which I'm, or today for you. Um, and then we've also been getting uh, some radio play here in Australia, which has been awesome. Um, so, yeah, it's Spotify numbers are going up. They're at the highest that they've been ever. So that's really, it's it's really promising. So that's nice.
0: Oh, yes, the famous stats. Do you find yourself kind of studying uh, things like stats on Spotify and Radio Play and uh, just the numbers in general? Look,
1: I try not to because I know that they aren't always indicative of what is, you know, good art and what isn't. But it's kind of hard not to when so many people are, you know, asking, like, how are the numbers for this one? How is this, you know, my man- you know, management, things <laughs> like that. Uh, and it's, nice to, it's a nice way to compare because you can obviously – you know, if you released a song a few months ago, you can look at the numbers from that song and be like, okay, let's see where our our listenership has kind of increased here. So I think sometimes, it, sometimes it's nice to look, but also sometimes it's depressing to look because a song that you think might be the best song you have may not go as well as something you're like, oh, so it's, I think it's a, yeah, it's a bit of a poison chalice on that one.
0: Yeah, because automatically I kind of think of the detrimental effect that that kind of uh, level of input can have. Because, as you said, um, if it doesn't perhaps reach the standard that you previously did, there's almost a negative connotation to that. Oh, not enough people are listening and so on. But of course, making any headway online in any platform is incredibly hard work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's hard. Um, I find myself, I mean, every artist compares themselves. But I look at the little bit of headway we make and I get really excited. But then there's the voice in my head. It's like, yeah, well, it's not as good as Metallica, is it? You're like, (laughs) shut up. Yes, of course it's not as good as Metallica. It's fucking Metallica. Be happy with what you have. And then that voice is there like, oh, but it's not as good as this band. Oh, you should. That's not good enough. You should be embarrassed. Don't tell anyone about those stats. It's not that good. And you're like, shush. It's good. Be happy. It's a good song. Let's keep going. So it's that constant like little battle between those little voices in your head.
0: Yeah, you got to quiet those little voices. How about though, um, outside of the stats and the kind of oh, boring side of things, the the more listener reaction, the sort of elements where you get in the comments, whether it be on the social media, Facebook, Twitter, and so on, or even on things like YouTube. Oh
1: yeah, the, the like the comments that we've been getting have been really positive. Um... This song is definitely a heavier direction for us, which I've been really excited about. I've been sitting on this one for a while. This is the direction that I am working towards with the new music. And so far, everyone that has responded, and there's been quite a few people writing to me, sending comments, commenting on YouTube, et cetera, like you've mentioned, and they all like it. So that's, that's great. I'm stoked because I love it.
0: Yeah, that heavier direction, what, what's kind of prompted that? What did the early vision for this track look like?
1: Um... <laughs> You know, I was just kind of, when I first started Evil Walks, it was kind of meant to be like a female ACDC kind of thing because I love Bon Scott, very ACDC. And then it kind of moved into that more like modern hard rock that was a bit slicker, but it was still kind of, it wasn't quite, I've always wanted to go heavier. I love heavy music. I can't scream, unfortunately, or else we'd probably be there. But, um, you know, I've always wanted to tap into that like darker um part and when I first wrote this song I co-wrote it with Brian Howes who is a Canadian producer um I was just like in that kind of move, mood I was like I want it heavy I want it down tuned I want some kind of riff that's just like you know like like you know the facial expression you're like mm. and he's like like this I'm like that could work this we could do this let's let's work on this and like two together we kind of pulled it down into that like heavier sound that I'd kind of been searching for for literally like six years at the time. I think it was 2019 when I first co-wrote, when I first worked on this song. So it was a while coming.
0: Yeah. That's a, when there's a pandemic in between that, um, that's an incredible amount of time. At what stage did it kind of really take shape though? When you realized, okay, this is working, this is sounding exactly how I envisioned it in my head.
1: Um, I think it was, we actually wrote the song in about five hours and got it all down. So I think it was when at the very end of the studio, at the very end of the session when we were listening back to the demo and I was hearing the guitars like really paired up with like, you know, just a rough bass line and just being like, damn, okay, this is this is hitting me in that spot. Like I think we got I think we got something I think we got something good here. Cause hmm. everyone was always I think I had in my head and also people were telling me like, you know, you can't go that heavy, you won't be commercial, radio won't want you, like labels won't want you. And this time I'm like, I don't give a fuck. You know, I, I'm the client here. Like, you know, Brian's great. He always sees my vision and understands my vision. It's never from the producer. But, you know, in this case, I was kind of able to do my own thing. And like Brian and I were able to get super creative. Uh, and it was the first time I didn't have like a kind of an outside force being like, well, what about? I'm like, I don't care.
0: You were just able to flat out ignore that.
1: Yeah, which was great. Um, and I think that's, with the music that I have been creating since that is something that I've just really kind of dug my heels in on like I obviously listen to advice and I'm open to advice but I know what I love and I know what I have a vision for and that's kind of where I'm going now it's like I can't worry about what other people are going to think I can't worry about like is this going to work is this not because I feel like that's not going to be authentic and that's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy so I feel like it's just I'm able to be more genuine in this which is cool
0: so it's, it is fair to say that uh, "Sleeping with a Ghost" is not a one-off stylistic change. This is Evil walks now.
1: Yes, definitely. Uh, the new there's a new track that I've been working on uh, with Swedish producer Chris Westerstrom. Um, I can never say his last name properly, but he's Swedish, and um, he and I have been working on something that's definitely in this in this vein for the next one. Uh, we've kind of dirtied it up with a bit more 90s. So a bit of a simpler riff, but it's that heavy, like this one's in B. It's going to be really like, like definitely that, that old school, just heavy. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah.
0: Going back to the track, sticking with Sleeping With the A Now, I mean, I've read, I've read the the concept and the story behind and uh, understand that upon, upon listening to it, it comes through quite clearly. Before for those listening and watching this interview who may not understand it, go into detail about the whole letter-to-yourself aspect of things.
1: Yeah, so um, at the time I wrote Sleeping With a Ghost, uh, it was 2019, and I think I was, in, I was in my first 90 days of sobriety. I'm three and a half years now, so I'm past the unstable stage. <laughs> um, so I was in my first 90 days, and at the time I was in kind of a very toxic situation. I was super angry about it. And I just kind of wanted to write about it. And um, at the time I was really seeing behaviors in someone else that I recognized in myself. And instead of being honest and being like, I'm talking to myself in this song, this song's about me. I was like, no, this is about you. And then when I had time to sit with it and really understand it and look at the lyrics, I realized like, no, I'm talking to myself. Like this is, me and the person that I want to become, or hopefully, I hope I've become talking to that previous version of me being like, hey, what the fuck? Like, this isn't cool. This isn't a joke. Like, you're not a child, you need to pick your shit up and you need to be better because you deserve better and the people that you love deserve better. And this isn't okay because, you know, sleeping with a ghost, um, you know, when it comes to addiction and things like that, we know that if it goes too far down that road, we know where it can lead. So it kind of has that like, you know, macabre tinge to it because it's like, you know, if you continue on this road, you know, you will ultimately, perhaps.
0: Well, it's, inc- it's incredible because reading that and understanding that is one thing, but hearing you talk about it and getting that through the track is another. But also from that, and it is not an easy task for anyone to open up like that. Do you find it easy to express yourself so honestly with the wider audience?
1: Um, you know what I, when I was younger, I definitely pre-sobriety, I had a lot of problems with it. Uh, I was, if anyone asked me about what songs were about, or even just how I was feeling for the day, I'd be like, oh, I want to get a cup of coffee if it's a nice day outside. Now, um, I just feel like rigorous honesty. Um, you know, I apply, I, I attach to everything I do. It's the way that I stay sober. Um, and it's also the way that I like to communicate myself because how can I possibly hope that my songs will resonate with people if I'm not being completely honest with myself and with them if that makes sense
0: Oh it does it does but that desire to open up where do you think that overall comes from and and for those that are new to Eva walks do you think it's characteristic of the band as a whole
1: Um I think the desire to open up comes from the like of the want of human connection um, you know, you especially after the pandemic, you know, you want to reach out to people, you want to connect with people, you want to have that, you know, one-on-one and really feel like that person's listening to you and most more importantly than them listening to you, you want to be listening to them and hoping that they feel comfortable with you in that space. Um, and I think even looking back before I was willing to be honest with myself, I think that is very indicative of evil walks and the, you know, the lyrics that I write and the songs because even if I wasn't willing to talk about them, those songs all come from an incredibly honest place and they mm. all come from a genuine place of wanting to not only tell my stories, but maybe tell other people's stories and have them listen and be like, hey, this song helped me or I can identify with this or I see where you're going with that. That <laughs> Sorry.
0: No, I think I completely understand what you're saying. Um, it's as much as well about relatability because ultimately, um, you know, you used the pandemic as an example, but just the wider world as a whole, were they pretty out there? So anything that can potentially um, help a person is the ultimate positive.
1: Absolutely. That's all. That's what we all want. Right. We just want to connect with people and, you know, have those relationships and hear people and have them hear you.
0: Um, has Have you had anyone kind of reach out and sort of say to you, like, this has helped me in a certain way or, um, you know, they've been able to connect to it?
1: Honestly, there have been a few people and it, it's a very humbling experience when that happens, because obviously I would like to think that that's the case, but you never really like, OK, well, this is a song I wrote, like whatever. So it, it's a bit surprising, actually. It kind of gives me uh, like little warm fuzzies um, when I get notes like that, which is which is always really nice.
0: Yeah, I always wonder uh, getting a message like that, um, how a person would take that that praise to a certain degree it's it's almost kind of like you need to say more than just thank you but it's still an incredibly important thing (laughs) um but obviously of course you can't replace professional help either
1: yeah no absolutely it's it's kind of weird because the you feel I almost feel a little uncomfortable not uncomfortable I think that's the wrong word I almost feel like a little bit like oh are are you sure no I couldn't have done that like you don't know how to take it because it's like you want to feel like oh I'm so happy about that but then you don't I don't know I I feel like I I'm like surely they're not talking about my song like that couldn't have been me um Mm. and yeah obviously always professional help has to be there but um I mean we all know the power of music ourselves um you know so it's it, it is interesting but sometimes you're like are you sure it was me I'm pretty sure that was you and you've done that yourself and well done you but you know it's it's yeah, it's kind of like you don't want to give yourself that credit because that would be, you're like, ah, oh, I don't know.
0: Yes, yes. It, it's naturally when something that comes along, you will take a humble stance because um, the idea of not taking it, I guess, it would almost be, it would be uncomfortable, as you said.
1: Yeah, and it's like, I feel like it would be a bit weird to be like, oh, yes, yes, thank you for sending me that. Yeah, I know the song's pretty good and it probably reached you. Yeah, good on me. Like, that would be really weird. Like, I don't know anyone who would probably responded like that, unless you maybe a narcissist.
0: No, I, I, I agree. I agree, of course. Um, and it's better, but I think it's worth mentioning. I understand you're an advocate for AFSP, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and Living, uh, a mental health education program. Considering all of that, are you quite hard on Den But what seems to have been in the last couple of years maybe longer a more open conversation within the music industry specifically about mental health issues
1: yeah I think it's so important and it's really um it's actually really com- yeah heartening yeah that's the word definitely to see that people are finally recognizing a that not that mental health isn't something that we just rushed under the rug like it's something that we should be talking about it's something that we as people should be willing to listen to if someone reaches out. And we also shouldn't be afraid to kind of seek help where it's needed. Um, You know, dismissing someone or discounting someone um, just because they're having a bad day isn't really on. It's like you should always check in on your friends. I think it's awesome the way that that's really opening up and the conversations are starting.
0: Yeah, there are um, musically there are an incredible number of modern new bands um in the last decade yourselves included that are really really shining a light on these uh, issues and in in positive ways
1: yeah absolutely it's definitely it's gone from being almost a taboo subject to being something that people are comfortable talking about and i think that's so important because a lot of the time um obviously you need professional help a lot of the time and things like that But aside from those things, uh, you know, it's important to get things out and talk to people because keeping it inside is where you start to get into a bit of a danger zone.
0: Well, let's um, talk about you specifically. I'm quite interested to find out, singing or songwriting, what came first?
1: Uh, Singing actually came first. Poetry writing and then singing.
0: Okay, okay. And how did that develop then into going, okay, well, I want... I can do this and I enjoy doing this, but I want to be a rock star effectively.
1: Uh, it's, it's really hard to pinpoint. So mm-hmm. I've always loved to sing and be musical. And I think when I was about nine or 10, um, there was like this, we did like a school camp and I went to a Catholic school. So there was this, we had this like assembly and this guy had a guitar and he was like pulling people up to sing in the microphone. And it was like a guess the song. So you could only go up if you could guess the song and he played this one song and nobody knew it, but I did, because it was this old, old hymn. And my grandma was like super Catholic. And I was like, I don't know this one. He's like, you want to get up and sing? I was like, oh, no, I don't. And he's like, no, no, you have to now. And I was like, oh, shit. Um, so I got up and I started singing and I was like, oh, God. And then I kind of stopped and he kind of stopped and everyone was just kind of staring at me. And I was like, oh, no, no, it was that bad. It was it bad? And it like everyone's said like, Oh my God, we didn't know you could sing. I was like, God, I didn't know I could sing either. There you go. Um, <laughs> so after that, I was, I just knew how it made me feel. And I was like, Oh, I love doing this. It makes me so happy. And I was like, Well, it's kind of hard to just sing. You know, you have to find people that you can sing with. So maybe mm-hmm. I should learn an instrument. So when I was 11, um, I was like, Hey, mum, I want to learn the guitar. She's like, Cool, sure. Let's learn the guitar. So I started playing the guitar. And then I was like, well, I don't just want to sing other people's songs. I want to write my own songs. And I was kind of sitting at home and I used to always write poetry, even like as a little, little kid. And so when I was about 13, I kind of wrote my first song and I took it into my guitarist, and I was like, can we do this today instead of pentatonic scales? And my guitarist was just like, uh, it's not really what I do, but uh, okay then we can, we can do that. <laughs> um, and so we did that and yeah, it just kind of started from there. And by the time I was 14, I was like, I'd written an EP and, was performing my own songs in front of the school. And I was doing gigs around my local area. And even though I was under 18, which is the drinking age, um, there were some places that would let me p- play if my, like if I had a parent or guardian with me, oh, yeah. so my mum would come with me and, you know, it was, yeah. So I was doing this from a very young age.
0: But well, how did that develop then into, um, well, I guess evil walks overall. I mean, it's a- probably a lot of detail in between that. So try and summarize, I guess.
1: Oh God. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I kind of just didn't finish your question. I apologize. Um, right. Yes. Yeah, so after that, I just kind of, I just knew it was, it was what I always wanted to do. So um, I started performing under uh, a name like Lily Rouge. Uh, cause my, my nickname for my family is Lily and my hair it's dyed red, but I'm actually naturally a redhead from when I was a kid. So it was Lily and Rouge. I started playing. Um, I kind of formed a little band and then Um, I got into the Conservatorium of Music and did a Bachelor of Popular Music. And while I was doing that at university, I was writing lots and lots of heavy, heavy stuff with um, a producer in Brisbane called Stuart Stewart. Hmm. And we started touring and did a whole bunch of things. We played like the big day out. We um, supported the President of the United States, Everclear. Um, We did a bunch of things. Fasting forward to December 2013 and I get like a random email email From this company in Los Angeles who was like hey is this a band or is this a person or what I was like well it is a band but I write the music and they're like could you be in LA in like three weeks I'm like I suppose I could Mm. um so I just sold my shit and went to LA and that was kind of where Evil Walks was born um there wasn't like an exact moment that I was like I'm gonna be a rock star I just knew from that. I just knew that's why I started playing guitar. That's why I started writing music. That's why I started gigging. I just knew from a very young age that's what I wanted to do.
0: But that that there that, that uh, move to LA and do that that is wow that is an incredible shift. Um, were you immediately comp- Were you immediately one hundred percent? I'm doing this. I'm gonna do this. I want to do this. You I, I can't. I can't yeah. imagine that was an easy decision.
1: Honestly, it was very easy. I was just like. Yeah, cool. So uh, how, at first I was like, God, how am I going to do this? And my mom's like, well, you have a car you can sell. I was like, shit, I do have a car I can sell. It. My uncle's like, I'll lend you the money. When you sell your car, you just give me the money from the car. I was like, awesome. So I kind of just got on a plane. I had a tourist visa at the time and I did that. Uh, I now have a green card. Uh, I went from a tourist, I managed to get like the artist visa, the O one one visa. I, I just got on a plane and I just went and I just did it and I... I don't know, the universe just wanted me there because I started Evil Walks. I played a showcase um, at SIR Studios in Hollywood for the Muse Expo Rock Summit Mm. for this A&R company. Um, And it just kind of spiralled from there. And now here we are in 2022.
0: Incredible. Um, And a lot's happened in between that. And of course, uh, uh, we brought up a few times, there's always often the elephant in the room these days. So I have to ask you, particularly as a lot of bands did not, make it through the past few few years how did evil walks uh, survive the pandemic period the lack of really being able to do anything except online
1: honestly um so evil walks it is it is my project so i mm-hmm. have an amazing group of guys that play with me um except for the drummer jimmy who's one of my best friends in the world he's a full-time member um the other guys are session musicians Yep. So Evil Walks is predominantly, I write the music and I, co- or I write the lyrics and the melodies, I co-write, I do a lot of different things. So when the pandemic hit, obviously there was that moment of like, oh shit, my life's over. Like mm-hmm. we're stuck inside. Um, after that, I honestly just thought of the things that I could do rather than what I couldn't do. So I spent a lot of time playing my acoustic. I did a lot of live sessions on Instagram I learned a lot of like just random acoustic covers um, to perform. I wrote music I did collaborations with other artists online. Um, I just kind of I did a lot of interviews. I just kind of did as many things that as I could do from my bedroom really yep. to just keep things moving and to not despair and then I ended up going back to Australia in September 2020 um, before they locked the borders and then my management company is, Swedish, Blue Lemon Management, Um, my manager Jens called me and he's like, hey, so we need you to be in Sweden. I was like, oh, all right then. And at that time, Sweden was letting Australians in and they weren't really doing the pandemic. So I got on a plane to Sweden and I was there for almost a year and I just wrote and recorded a bunch of new demos for Evil Walk. Some of those I have released already this year. More are coming. So that's kind of how we did the pandemic.
0: (laughs) it's that's incredible you managed to get a lot more done than most um particularly as everybody <laughs> at first at least a lot of them I mean we're talking the larger scale bands that never really been able to do this sort of baby stepped their way into the online world of streaming and live shows and it was quite messy at the start but then eventually became quite well incredibly professional and stuff like that yeah did Did you watch and develop uh, well not watch and develop but did you watch how that developed and then kind of think wow they've taken uh they've taken a steam out of the sort of smaller acoustic play on facebook or instagram kind of thing
1: yeah it was interesting to watch i actually thought it was really great um like i did think it was a shame because not a shame i think it was awesome that they were able to become like that it was like putting on this whole production which is Mm. amazing but it was for other you know for the smaller artists it's like damn we gotta go buy a whole bunch of shit now (laughs) to compete with this we can't just get our guitar and our phone like we got to set up our home studio. We got to make sure it's right. We got to get the lighting. God damn it! <laughs> but it's good because it just means you know now people can work from anywhere. Um, which is which is fun.
0: Yeah, yeah, to a degree. I I kind of feel like uh, at a certain point the um the larger scale operations, the productions, and almost a uh, movie like quality of shows killed any aspect of that being able to go forward. Um, for any band but who didn't have a budget in the millions.
1: Yeah, it, it did really take away from the artists who were doing it as a like a live stream every Saturday mm. or things like that because people were loving to watch it at the start. Um, but, you know, again, yeah, if you're competing with people who are in a studio with a team like that with a budget, what are you going to pick? Because it doesn't matter how amazing you are, you're still going to be battling with internet connections, you're still going to be battling with like depending on what equipment you have, like if it's your phone and the guitar and it, it's going to distort. The picture might be fuzzy. It's yeah, it is definitely um it is definitely just become one of those things, the same as any social media platform, I guess.
0: Yes, yes, you're not wrong. But going back to that year in Sweden, I mean, that sounds incredible. Would you point at that as potentially the biggest positive you were able to take away from that period of time, the the, the three-ish years?
1: Yeah, I would say absolutely. I think um being able to be in Sweden and work and write uh with over there during the pandemic was just such an unexpected thing. And it was just amazing because it really kind of gave, I think it breathed new life into us because we'd been in LA for so long and mm-hmm. we played all the time and just trying to, it was just something new and it opened up this whole new world and this whole new connection and collective of musicians that are now like good friends of mine that I can visit, um you know, I can support their music, they can support ours. It's just, it's great. And Sweden has such an incredible, um, climate for songwriting and musicians like you shake a tree and like seven virtuosos fall out it's insane like everyone's just it's amazing like every everyone's like oh yes i play a bit of guitar and then they're like and you're like what 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 are you what are you you're a professional right they're like oh no i i work at the bar and i'm a teacher and you're like what really they're like yes this is just a hobby you're like oh my god do
0: you think that's um That development you've had, so LA, Sweden, and of course, in Australia, it's kind of helps Evil Walks overall to kind of bust out of what is often a glass ceiling location. Australia, the localization, the scene in general can sometimes mean bands there. There are many great bands I know of that kind of get stuck because the worldwide picture is beyond them. So do you feel as though Evil Walks has almost got a head start on that?
1: I think we've definitely been given a good opportunity to not be um, locked into a region. Um, we haven't been in Australia for quite a long time. I think yeah. the last time we toured here was 2015, um, but we were getting very locked. Like, we were kind of just part of the furniture in LA. And I love Los Angeles. Like, it's my mm. home now. Uh, that's how I feel about it. But we, it was getting to the stage. It's like, oh, yeah, that band. So I think it's given us new opportunities to be able to be like, we're not just a band from LA we've gone out to different places, we've done different things. Like we're definitely worth giving, giving us a listen. Like, you know, we're not just, you know, come on, give us another chance.
0: I think so as well. I mean, I, I think all the, the, those developments in those areas you've experienced and lived within and worked within um gives gives evil walks a a fresher flavor uh, as well particularly as we are in 2022 when things are beginning to pick up to a certain degree in the world festival season is resetting to a certain degree throughout 2023 and slowly but surely it seems like live shows are coming back at least um from a uk perspective and european perspective is there anywhere that you've never really been that you kind of like this is what we have to experience now and you'd like to um reach in 2023
1: I honestly, I would love to come to the UK. We haven't made it to the UK yet. So I've seen all of the awesome festival. not even just the festival circuit, but even just like the clubs that are there that are available. I would love to go to the UK. Um, I have been to parts of Europe before. We've been to uh, Berlin, Germany and played. We've been to Amsterdam in the Netherlands and we've also played in, I can't pronounce the name of the town, but I've been to a border town of Poland and we've also played in Stockholm, Sweden. Um, I would love to play in the Czech Republic. I oh, think that'd yeah. be super fun. Yeah. I think that would be sick to play in Czech Republic. Um, I also think it would be super fun to be able to go back to Germany. Mm. Um, I'd love to go back to Germany and hop around a little bit. Um, oh God. There's, there's honestly so many, so, so many. many places I'd love to. Just the look, just the northern hemisphere, like the European continent. Obviously, yeah, UK, all of up there is where I'd love to be able to get to.
0: Well, it's Europe. You Norway. Could... Yeah, <laughs> it's Europe. You could um, you could you could spend two weeks and still not touch every uh country, city, even close. Um, so fingers crossed. Is that? potentially a realistic goal you'd like to achieve for evil walks throughout 2023, or is there something else you'd like to achieve next year?
1: I think, um, what I would like to do before we get hit on, hit the road is I would really, we've got a lot of singles lined up. Mm. Um, I would really like to work on another album and get an album released. Yeah, And then I think, I think it would be, I think it would be in the realm of possibilities to potentially do some European shows in 2023. My management is based in Sweden. Uh, Mm. My partner is also Swedish and I'm sure he would be thrilled if I spent more time up there. So um, I think it's not without, I don't think it's, I don't think it's like not a possibility, if that makes sense.
0: No, it is one of those things where watch this space, um, Fingers crossed the stars aligned, everything works out wonderfully. And who knows? Talking of the future, last but not least, uh, I realize you're going to be limited what you can tell me, but I have to ask, and I have to at least pick away at it. You've talked about upcoming singles, you're talking about a potential album. What can you tell me about the future for Evil Walks? The rest of 2023, even though we can't 2022, even though we're at the end of it now anyway, and into 2023.
1: Okay, so for sleeping with a ghost, I am I thought about it and I was like, you know what? I should maybe do a music video. I love this song. This song is so special to me. It's so, and it to me, it's a very important song. Mm. So I think I'm going to try and get a video done by January, February and release it. I just think this song deserves that. Right. Um, so I'm going to try and do that. It's Christmas holidays here in Australia. So try to get anyone to do anything. It's like 37 degrees. We'll see. It'll be a very sweaty video if it happens. Um, aside from that, I have, two singles that are almost finished. Um, one of them I just need to do the vocals for. Uh, it was co-written with an old bandmate of mine, Dre DeMura, who is uh, from, he's now based in Nashville. Um, so, I, and then another song I co-wrote, as I mentioned before with Chris Wettestrom, um which is like super heavy nineties. Um, I think we've got a few more singles coming and hopefully an album because I'm talking, I'm trying to in the works to kind of piece all of that together that's what I I can tell you right now
0: fair to to say you are keeping incredibly busy and the train keeps them rolling on there's basically no downtime by the sound of it
1: yeah I I like to keep busy I feel like um yeah as soon as I'm not busy um I just I tend to get into trouble so I I like to stay busy (laughs)
0: Yeah, absolutely, and, you know, we're talking about the future, but it cannot be forgotten, Sleeping With A Ghost. It's brand new. It's literally not even a week old at the time of this recording. Go check that out. It's a great song. Leah, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, no, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. This has been really fun. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much for watching. If you liked what you saw, please help us out by giving us a thumbs up and hitting that subscribe button. If you really liked what you saw, Consider donating to keep the website and channel running by buying us a coffee via our coffee page or picking up some merch from our big cartel store. You can check us out on GBHBL.com as well as via our social media, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. As well as listen to our interviews via SoundCloud, Apple Music and Spotify. Just search for GBHBL Games, Horror and Heavy Metal. What else is life for?